Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have the adventurer, Brian Huff, president of Adventure Lighting. That's right, newly elected board member, tight race, won it. I think he had 51% of the vote or something like that. I think there's a recount. There's a controversy about it. We got to recount the vote. Is that right? Yeah, there's some kind of crazy cut. No, I'm just kidding. No, there's no controversy. It was done by, by Ch- uh, Monkey Chimp or whatever that thing is online, so we know who voted. It's all good. Uh, but before we do, Greg, who is this episode sponsored by? It's Energy Focus, man. Come Woo! on. Come on, man. Get focused. The original. E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S dot com. That's energyfocus.com. So original, Greg. Yeah, and we're talking about their end focus product. And something original and we're finding as lighting distributors, people like choice. They want choice. They want choice maybe now. And maybe they want it in the future as well. With an end focus, you keep your fixture. Change the tube. You keep your, you can, and you put a switch on the wall. You keep all the additional or existing wiring you have. Change the tubes, bypass the ballast. You get flicker free, color tuning, dimming all built into the tube itself. How nice is that? If we can't sell color tuning, which is similar to dimming, forget about health effects, forget about everything else. Like the simple energy focus tunable wall switch has a dimmer as a tuner on the wall, right beside each other, you change the light level, you change the color of the lamps. So easy, so original. Let's go, industry. Get that energy focus out there. E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S dot com. That's right. Jimmy Tunable's in charge down there. That's what we got to start with. Let's get this tunable lighting out there. Choice matters. All distributors know that the customer wants choice. Of course, Energy Focus is a member, and Brian Huff is on the board and a longtime member. I think a founding member, Adventure Lighting, of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. He'll tell us in a minute. He's been at, he, was, he was at a convention when he was a kid sometime in the late 80s or early 90s. But uh, before you leave, folks, no, before you stay for the rest of the show, go to NEILD.org. What's happening, Brian Huff? Not a lot. Just uh, living the lighting dream, I guess. That's turned into a bit of a nightmare, Greg Eric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys call this a dream? Good, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, been, uh, it's been quite a year. It has. Yeah. Uh, it's actually been two years. Most people are in like a mind's weird pandemic mindset. It's actually been two years, but almost two years. So you're in Iowa. What's, what's the business like right now for you, for your supply business? Tell us a little bit about what's happening with that. Um, it really hasn't been that bad. Um, we've we've slowed down on, you know, probably the basic stuff like everybody else, the panels, the LED tubes, that kind of stuff have slowed down. Um, but it hasn't been as bad as uh, what I'm hearing in other industries and around um, around the country. So it, it's it's slowed us down a little bit, but it, like I said, not not that bad. So what about you guys? Hmm. What do you say? Well, first of all, I asked the questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg, I'll let you answer. I'll, I'll let yeah. you answer. Well, I'm here to learn, too. I'm here no, to learn, definitely. But I think it was, it, was, it was fun, and it's 100% true. Is you said the basic items like panels and tubes. That's that's basic now for lighting, right? Isn't that funny? Mm, right. When that's you think about yeah. where it's been and that's what it's at now, it's like, yeah, an LED tube is our probably number one selling SKU. Well, maybe maybe fluorescent's still up there, but it's it's – overtaking it um so from a supply side on on our standpoint yeah i think it's it's been relatively steady surprisingly but um uh, the business has gone down a little bit from 
what it was a couple of years ago, but there's different avenues that we're attempting to find and work into. And, and uh, you know, one thing I'm, I'm kind of surprised is, is, is we're becoming more of a distributor than I've ever thought yeah. we are. Maybe I'm starting to figure out what a distributor is <laughs> exactly. because, you know, I've been, I've been like a hybrid of everything for a while. Like I'm, I'm out there like selling to the end user, selling the project, selling the labor, subbing it out, you know, doing everything. And now it's like, okay, as a distributor, your actually job is to go sell product, find different people to sell product to. You don't always have to sell to the end user. There's other people out there. I'm figuring that out. Yeah, what's weird for me is they're, they're, the biggest thing I've noticed is that we're getting tons. We, we have, we, the beginning, pandemic started, and we're getting tons of online orders from homeowners. Weird as heck. And yeah. it's like packaging up four to six lamps for homeowners. That's uh, it's a lot more work. We spend a lot of time um, entering data for smaller orders. So somehow we've uh, segued or parlayed ourselves into a position where we're selling a lot more orders, but the, the value of the orders is less. And now we're working towards changing that, doing some things. You're always in business. You're always trying to innovate and this kind of thing. But yeah, so you know, it's been a it's been a wild ride actually the last eighteen nineteen months. Except that the problem is the only problem for me is that it's not that much fun because it's you know the thing about COVID is that it's super lame. <laughs> it's, you can't really go out and do anything, right? No, no it's, it's so gotten, lame. It's gotten better. It's gotten better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean. So the supply side's kind of shifted for us and it's changed a little bit, but you know what? Um, I just feel blessed that I'm still in business. Like you said, there's so many people that got hammered or out of business, you know? So I, I, I'd say what the, the story I was telling when, you know, you said the F word. So when shit hit the fan mm -hmm. in, uh, in uh, March of 2020, I was kind of telling our guys here, like, you know, I, I, God, I can't see this happen, you know, this dragging on for months and months and months and you know as long as we're you know back to normal by you know september november into the into the fall i think we'll be just fine and you know here we are a year after that prediction and yeah i'm pretty pleased that we've been able to keep the doors open still turn you know a small profit and uh hopefully there's better times ahead so well let me ask you project wise um you guys uh you're in Des Moines, right? Right. Um, Des Moines, what, a million people? Something like that? No. Uh, I think the metro area is like 500,000. Okay. Are there many projects left on 500,000? Is there many? You know, how, how much How much conversion so, LED do you guys have? I, I still think there's quite a bit out there because we're still selling a, you know, a fair amount of uh, fluorescent stuff. We still move quite a bit of P12 to be honest. Um, the, the thing that, um, you know, we don't really get involved as, as a company in major bid uh, new construction stuff, which I think has been a big deal, but I also think that's going to slow down quite a bit um, coming up. So we've, we've kind of insulated ourselves from that part of the, the business and we've found that there just isn't any margin to make in it. Uh, and if anything goes wrong, we're not a big enough company to take a hit on it. So we found a little niche in the smaller projects, the you know law offices and property management, that kind of stuff. And 
you know, we've got a pretty big project going right now that's, you know, going to carry us through the end of the year pretty well. Um, would I like to see more small projects? Yeah, but we're, we're, we're surviving. You know what's so funny? I, Greg, just before you, before you move on the small projects, I tell my the project managers, I got three of them out there. All they do is lighting projects. And, you know, three people, whatever. You know, it's not a huge company. But you know what? I love the five to $20,000 deal. I love that range. I don't know what it is. It's super pro. Like I, we'll we'll do a eighty thousand dollar deal where there's like ten companies bidding on the or you know fighting for the project. We'll make more on a tw- nineteen thousand dollar deal. Right. You know where where you know a little Not bit of uh, redesign. Yeah, redesign. <laughs> it's a little bit smaller. I don't know what it is. I love that range. That's like a power zone where you know it's five thousand bucks in labor, maybe eleven thousand dollars in materials or whatever. It, it that's a nice mm-hmm. that's a nice sweet spot. Where you're yeah. dealing with a business owner, it's a one-off thing. He's been your customer buying lamps uh, from you for years or whatever, and you go in there and you fix his lighting and you make a nice, nice margin of, of profit. And you you really fly under the radar of the big, mm-hmm. big companies too. Yeah, and it, it's market based. Like you got to know your market. So nobody's mm-hmm. aiming from you. Like nobody's aiming for that Des Moines twenty thousand dollar deal market from outside no. of Des Moines. It's all yours. You know, I, I love that. I love that. Sorry, Greg, I interrupted you. No, that's good. So speaking of the market, what what are you guys doing primarily? Are you doing fixtures? Are you doing tubes? Let's just say that. Or re, uh, replaceable light bulbs? Or what is the primary yeah, choice it's, in Des Moines? It's mostly, right now, probably mostly tubes. Um, yeah. It's fixtures to a lesser degree. But, you know, our, our vendors that come in here want to, want to sell a lot of fixtures. And I understand that. But it, it's mostly uh, replacement tubes for us. Got it. Are you finding that customers request a brand when it comes to LED tubes? Or are they not getting into that? No, way? no, no, we haven't. Yeah. Um, I know we've had this conversation in the past before, but mm-hmm. you know, we're still on the, on the road of um, type A tubes as opposed to B. Um, we've had, you know, a couple problems in our, in our uh, market with somebody putting a fluorescent tube into a type B that, took out a floor of uh, computers at an insurance company here in town. Oh, and I don't know, you know how it happened, but we try to steer people away from it and we've been reasonably successful doing that. So, you know, what's interesting about that is you missed the whole flicker problem. So, you know, Greg is liable for (laughs) migraine headaches all over the state of Minnesota. Every time I turn on the podcast, it's flicker, 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 right? Yeah. You know, and that's, what's funny. Like it's something that's important and still not, quite being has taken off like it should in the industry. I still see a majority of projects that take place. Don't even put that into account. Don't factor that in. Mm-hmm. A flicker? Until, yeah. Yeah. Like still most of the type B tubes out there. I mean, the, the tube might happen to be flicker free or something like that. That's going into a lot of these jobs, but majority of the ones I see and the stuff that gets quoted out and proposed is still uh, not considered a flicker free lamp. Makes sense. Hmm. We, got, we got to get the end users thinking about that more. I know that's something we talk about as a strategy and everything, and and it makes a lot of sense. And really, what it's going to have to come down to is our buddies to DLC to say, you know, that's the only way you can get the rebate. Well, you forget about our buddies at the DLC. I love selling ballasts. There's nothing like shipping cases of ballasts, brother. I love shipping cases of ballasts all day long. It's, it's not the worst, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
So, um, I mean, you know, I, I there's something to that. And plus, uh, having that control in front of it, like you said, not having line voltage at the socket. Um, there's something to that, man, that, that you know, like you said, the, 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 that was a financial issue. It wasn't, you know, the, the, here's what I say. There's no emergency if there's no first responders. That's what I always tell my people. You know, uh, oh, I did, this guy's really upset or something happened. The computers are out, right? Is there any police there? No. Uh, is there an ambulance there? No. Fire trucks? We're okay. No, it's, it's not. It's actually not an emergency. Yes. Okay, good. Okay, good. We'll, we'll um, survive. Yeah. yeah, we'll survive. Tell me a little bit about um, your sales process right now. Are you actively going out, out to the customers? Or are you just sitting back and reacting and, you know, doing some online marketing? Or what, what, what are you doing in the way of that? Um, we probably don't do enough going out to customers. Uh, but that's, you know, ultimately what we're trying to do. <clears throat> right now, it's it's been more of a uh, trying to cultivate the customers we have as opposed to finding a bunch of new stuff. It, it, it's hard when you don't know the customer cold calling, knocking on doors at buildings still. Um, but it's, it's the call and having the relationships. Yeah. So we were talking about kind of where you're at now. How about where you guys started? What year was the company founded? Oh, so our company adventure lighting was founded in 1980 uh, by a guy named Ed McCollum. And he, the one that was the uh, uh, original founding member with in Nailed. Um, my dad, Jack, who a lot of people in Nailed know, um, joined the company in 1988-ish. And like you mentioned at the top of this, started going to conventions pretty shortly thereafter. I believe we were in Orlando in 1992 or three. Um and man, what a difference! We at that time we—I don't remember who it was. It might have been Osram had rented out MGM for just the nailed people, and like we got to ride all the rides. And as a you know nine, ten year old, it was great. No lines, um, and then all kinds of parties and that kind of stuff. It, it's it was certainly a different time back then. Um, but yeah, I've been to you know a handful of conventions, having a good time prior to joining in the lighting business, but. Um, I graduated college in 05 and then uh, kind of went out and had a couple other jobs in, distri in distribution, but not in lighting distribution, and then came in and joined Adventure Lighting in yeah, December of 08. And then my dad, who always said he wanted to stick around, and he loved the business, and I think he still does, but uh, loved the business, wanted to stick around. Uh, and enjoyed getting up in the morning and seeing customers. They got a place in Florida and he decided he didn't really want to do any more of that. <laughs> so um, they, uh, they sold the business in 20 or January, 2017 to me, 2016, something like that. And uh, yeah, I've had it ever since. So yeah, we're plowing through. And it's funny your dad. He doesn't show up anymore. Come in and read the newspaper, take <laughs> office space. He's out. You know, I think I think that was always kind of his plan originally. He was like, oh, I'll just, you know, get up something to do and I'll, you know, come in and BS with customers and read the paper and have a cup of coffee. And man, yeah, once once they started going down to Florida, even when he was back here, he didn't want any anything to do with amen and all he wanted was Florida. So that's that's worked out.
hour. So he plays golf three or four days a week, and I think he's given up pickleball, but he had that as a hobby for a while. Um, they've created a nice, uh, nice little home down there, and they've got a lot of good friends. So for those that are interested, so hmm. my dad still comes in every day. And he, Is that uh, right? Yeah, well, about four days a week, and he takes a lot of the summer off, and he takes time off, but. He, he comes in every day and he wants to sell light bulbs. It's, it, you know, it's actually really inspiring. I mean, for me, um, you know, he's like, he, you know, he said to me, like, hey, man, this is my, this is what I do. This is my, uh, my thing. He loves working with customers. He loves the product. He gets excited when he gets a, you know, he got, look, Mike, I got a $10,000 order. You see that? 10000 bucks, huh? What do you think of that? Oh, it's all the right off the floor, right off the showroom floor. There you go. See, ten grand. There you go. Put. Now, do you see get paid a commission on that? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he likes the money. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, he's 76 now, but he makes more than most 76-year-olds, I'll tell you that. That's for sure. You know, he that's likes awesome. to, yeah, he likes to spend money on his, on his grandkids and that, so. Oh, well, that's um, good. Yeah, yeah. He does well like that, but you know, it's funny how the, uh, but if he left, I like you I mean he might once you leave for a bit, maybe you leave, right? And you're like, okay, maybe there's something else in life. He's never left, my dad. He loves it, and uh, you know I'm happy to have him here because someone I can trust around that keeps a sharp eye, and is yeah, there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's nice, and I, I I like him. He's a nice guy, actually. He's fun to work with. So, um, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's. But you know what the funny thing is? He takes it to a place where. What's interesting about my dad is that he takes it to a place where, he's. He's very interested in teaching people about how to deal with other with difficult customers and still make money off them. Like a lot of people are like, oh, that guy swore at me. I don't want to talk to him again. My dad's like, F, the, F you back, actually. He'll say, like, he'll swear right back at the, whatever. But they all come back. And a lot of these contractors come back and buy lots of stuff for them. They love dealing with my dad. And I don't know. It's funny how that goes. Like your, your dad left and then he goes to Florida. He's like, well, actually, there's more to life than light bulbs. Maybe my dad should do that too. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm glad to have him here. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, I, it, yeah, I, I I can see where it'd be really nice to have him around. I whenever I'm down there, I I get it. You know, it's yeah. You know, lay lay in the pool and have a drink. It's 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 pretty nice. For sure, for sure. So let me ask you this: on the board, we uh, we're gonna set up something. Uh, there's a committee that. Um, uh, I was on a, a round table about creating sustainable light fixtures, which mm-hmm. I thought was funny. The only reason I got on the committee was because I'm the host of the Get a Grip on Lightning podcast, not because I'm a distributor, which I thought was strange. And um, I noticed that everyone on the committee, there was no other distributors or contractors on the committee. And I thought, well, why are you not asking people who sell replacement parts for um, light fixtures or repair light install replacement parts for light fixtures on a creating sustainable lighting um, panel event conference and so I want nail to to do that do you think that's something you could contribute to Brian so when you say sustainable lighting we're talking about the the parts and pieces the plastics the the metals yeah. or yeah, yeah. What, what are we talking about well, what's what's funny? What's okay. funny is that the lighting industry has come to a place now, Greg and, and Brian, where they have f- forgotten that the lighting industry was totally replaceable twenty years ago. Like, if you bought a two by four troffer, T eight troffer, 
um, there was a myriad of companies that could supply you with the parts to service that troffer, from the lens to the socket to the ballast to the lamp, everything. So the mechanical housing stayed there, and then the uh, you know the lamps were changed every three or four years, the ballast was changed every five to ten years, the sockets got changed every fifteen to twenty years, and the lens got changed when it needed to be changed. Right. right. And they seem to have forgotten that the lighting industry already knew all this. And that there's still people like Brian Huff, the Greg Garricks of the world, Michael Colligan's, Corey Schneider's, the Spencer Miles of the world that that are well aware of this. And I think as nailed, Greg, you, you chime in here too as well. I think as nailed distributors, we need to start to tell these mandarins in their white towers that this is not a new thing. We were, we did this very well for years. And um you know, I was wondering, you know, would you be wanted wanting to be involved in a committee like that? I don't know how many how much time it would take, but I think it's something that Neil could yeah, really sure. To. So I I think sure. Um we've been you know, saying for years the elephant in the room is gonna be, you know, when you have to start replacing fixtures. Bingo. Um and like you alluded to for forever. You know, everybody makes a four lamp ballast or a three lamp, whatever the case may be, and everybody knows how to replace that stuff. And throwing away an entire fixture is not an easy process nor a cheap one. Um, have you guys gotten into um, trying to find replacement drivers and programming them and that kind of stuff? We've uh, attempted, and you know, we've been able to have a little bit of success. I know there's companies that have tunable drivers and all that that are designed to work on mm -hmm. any other fixtures, but then you get into the form factor. No, it doesn't fit in the fixture, the size of it. And so attempt is the right word with success some of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Usually not. I, you know, I'd say we're reasonably successful at it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're probably the only people in town that can either a find a driver if it's not available or have one that, that we can program and know what we're talking about when we do it. Um, we've got a guy here that's, that does a pretty good job of that. And it's, it's going to be a big problem. I think that's ultimately the answer, uh, going down the road, not necessarily to, you know, make the fixtures out of more sustainable materials, but to rather think about being able to replace the parts. And I hope we're not too far gone in the fixtures that are already out that, you know, you can't do anything about it, but maybe in the future you'd be able to. But does that, so what I always have an issue with replaceable drivers, and I, and I never feel like I can explain this right, well enough, but maybe mm -hmm. I can today. I'm going to attempt again. Is the LED itself degrades in output over time. The driver is there to help it, you know, lighten everything. Now let's say it goes out after six years and you put a new driver in. That LED chip still will light, but it might be six, have lost 40% of the light that it started with. Is that mm -hmm. a good adequate fixture anymore probably not right so what's the purpose of replacing the driver when the chip's already degraded you got to replace the chip and the driver and at that point then you got to replace the fixture as it, as it is right now yeah that's an so excellent like I explained point that well yeah what i was going to say was one of one, one of the things that when i when i look at it we we tell the we tell the contractor like if the led if you install this and the leds don't work you can't return it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, the driver may be out or the driver may not be performing properly, but the, the, if the LEDs are not, are not going to fire back to a hundred percent or whatever you're expecting, then if it's been installed, it can't be returned. 
And sometimes it's, if it's special order, you're buying all of them. So I think what, what the customer is expecting is when they change that driver, the light output from the fixture returns to 100%. And that's just not what's going to happen. That's right. not what's going to happen. So when you guys install a job, um, do you measure after the fact the light output and then come back a few years later and tell them that it's the green? Oh, only an idiot would do that. <laughs> God, it sounds like a great idea, right? Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like a lot of rigmarole. But no, we haven't. We do not do that, and I haven't done that. But it, it's something that is a legitimate play. But again, you, you got to flip it and say, okay, I'm not a lighting person, and this guy's trying to sell me lighting. Work. He comes in. Yeah, the lights are on, dude. Like, I'm not going to listen to your little foot candle meter. I can see fine. You know, and th that's what's going to happen yeah. if you attempt it. So I like the idea as a light distributor all day. Sure. But... Well, I think at that point, if the lights, you know, if you've got a driver that went bad and you can replace that driver uh, and bring them back to where they were, even if it's not at 100% of the original output, I think you're still probably more sustainably off certainly and the customer's probably more happy than replacing a whole fixture you know so, so anybody that anybody that was banking on any kind of environmental credentials like come on you yeah. uh you you increase the life cycle the lifetime of the light source and you decrease the life cycle of the light fixture and that old light fixture was built in america and that new light fixture was made in China and shipped across the entire Pacific Ocean, has no recyclable products in it. Like the, yeah. the environmental credentials of the lighting industry should take a serious hit. Although, yes, we've done a lot to save energy, but if you have to replace a light fixture every five to 10 years, uh, how do you factor that back in as a negative number on those initial projections of carbon emissions or? whatever yeah. the the metric is like how do you say like oh yeah so we had to drive a truck over there that used gas and burned gas and there's a guy there and then you have to melt down that metal again and all this sort of stuff that you have to do and we have to put right. a new fixture in like it has to be a negative there's no way that it's a net it cost environmental positive yeah. mm -hmm. no i mean even the like what so they take the cost for sure it's a cost negative well a co an environmental cost yes yeah, yeah. Like an environmentally yeah. it has to be a negative a net negative mm -hmm. Which would be, uh, which would be like complete, um, what do they call that? Cognitive dissonance for the lighting industry, like total cognitive dissonance. Everything you did, yeah, that wasn't so good. <laughs> well, okay, so then what's the answer, right? Going back and selling fluorescent tubes, like I'm. No, I think the know. answer is to no. The answer is to mimic the form factors of original lamps, um, like all the innovation. The most innovation in the lighting industry has come in T LEDs. Like the mm -hmm. fastest iterations and the quickest innovation is because you're not allowed to change this form factor. So spend all your time innovating within this space. It's like a, it's like a Shakespearean sonnet. You have to write sure. the lines of the poem in, within these rules. And so that's where all the innovation has gone crazy is within T-LEDs. And, um, you know, the, the fixtures have been good, but they all have to be a two-by-fours, right? So there's something about a mechanical form factor being set which directs the innovation productively in the areas that matter. If there are no set form factors, then innovation is wasted or time at the manufacturer is wasted on setting form factors. Like the, the lighting industry used to do very well saying a T8 ballast has to be 10 and a half inches long. 
it has to have four screw holes at these locations and this many wires coming out of it if it's going to power in a fluorescent lamp. After that, go to town. You know, like, you know, they, and, you know, make what you want. So if we're going to make sustainable lighting, um, where distributors can then do what adventure lighting does, primarily since 1980 or 82, whenever, um, you know, it was started, was we have to be able to interchange manufacturers to service our customers. So many nailed members would get a call for F32 T8, uh, you know, 741 slash Eco Sylvania and switch it to a different brand, which performed the same way. And if, you know, people want to make sustainable light fixtures, we have to set the form factors and the performance and make it a standard and then leave it for a certain number of years before it's reviewed. Um, otherwise, distributors don't have a play really in the long run. It's all project work, Brian. Yeah, I, I just don't see the manufacturers, you know, being excited to jump on board with something like that because they can carve out their niche and, you know, say, you know, sorry, you have to stick with us it, it, in a job that's already sold. Well, or, that's what's know, happening. When I was on this right. panel, when I was on this panel, their their conclusion was that every building that's out there should be assigned to a manufacturer. And that manufacturer should be forced to service. Like, it's, I hate to say this, Nigel, I love you, bud. And everybody at Rico Light, you guys are great. It was a great panel and Ray and everybody on the panel. But you guys clearly do not understand how lighting fixtures are maintained in the field. If you go to a, if you go to a big commercial tower in Des Moines, Minneapolis, or Toronto, and you started looking at the ballast brands, you probably could count two dozen ballast brands in the first 400 fixtures. And, 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 you know, three dozen lamp brands, if it, it, you know, if you're being honest. So I'm curious as to how, what you think, Brian, that, that should Nailed, you know, do something, or Greg as well, answer this question, it's a conversation, pressure's not on Brian. Should Nailed do something to say, hey, white tower guys, slow down for a little minute. We know how to maintain light fixtures. We're in this business. The government doesn't have to pay for this. We can do this and pay taxes. Should we step out a line? Step out not out of line. Should we step out in line, and and say, listen to us? Well, I think so. So, who who's on this panel? It's specifically well, the, manufacturers. It's a European. It's a European panel. It's okay. in Britain. But everything, everything from everything like this, the standard starts in Europe and then gets on a boat and crosses the ocean, right? And so right, this idea right. that oh, we need to have a circular economy and light fixture. We need to extend the life cycle of light fixtures to 20 or 30 years. Um, that's what we had. I mean, how many times did you see a light fixture go from T12 to T8, maybe T5, and then to LED? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And imagine if, imagine, right. if, imagine if the government started assigning buildings to manufacturers. You have to be able to replace the fixtures that that building. That's a disaster for us. Well, that yeah, and it's a big problem I think for the for the end user as well. Mm -hmm. Like I think costs can get out of out of hand. There's no competition in the in the mix, and that's an issue. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, that uh, that would certainly be an issue for us as well. I I would certainly like not necessarily me per se, but us to have a. Yeah. At least, sir, a seat at the table. Hopefully, certainly. Yeah, Greg, what do you take? What's your take from all that? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're the people that are on the street dealing with the people that use the lighting, right? So sure. get the distributor involved and, and the people that know the most and, and even like a Nelmco and, and, you know, contractors, people like that, that sure. are dealing with the lighting, not the people that are making it and seeing it after it's done. Uh, so, yeah, we definitely need to have a say in that if that's going to have any legs and go anywhere. It's an existential yeah. issue for nailed. Like for nail members, like if 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 the government made a policy saying all manufacturers are responsible to maintain and manage their light fixtures in the field for forty years or twenty five years or guarantee they're they're operating in the field for that time period, that's a ma that's an existential threat to um, what nail distributors do. What what would the what would the government intervention say that the manufacturer has to do at that point? Like they can't do that for free. That's yeah, exactly. This is all the build back better stuff, bud. Build back better. <laughs> build back. So cut out the nail distributor. It should be called <laughs> cut out nail distributors better. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I, this is what it is. The people are sitting around thinking up of ways to reduce carbon emissions, to reduce dependence on oil or whatever. And this is the right. kind of conversations they're having. And, and it's leaking into the lighting industry. It's leaking into different industries. And people are saying, how can we make, how can we create the circular economy for lighting? Oh, I know what we should do. We should make manufacturer, we should extend the producer responsibility, EPR, extend the producer responsibility forward into the field so that they're responsible for their deployed light fixtures in the field to make sure that they're maintainable moving forward. To me, that's called ANSI. To me, that's called NEMA. We already have that. Yeah, where are yeah. these guys? Let's go. Like, where, where have you been? How come you're not making standards? So, but if this kind of policy comes forward, I think Nailed, and this has been a bit of a Nailed show, but um, I think Nailed has to step out and say, whoa, hang on a second here. You guys don't know anything about maintaining light fixtures. And the problem is not with maintenance moving forward. The problem is with the production at the beginning stages. You know? Yeah, I think I think you're totally onto something there. Um, <clears throat> it's yeah, it's going to be hard to let that business just yeah walk out the door and leave the manufacturer in charge of that. Um, with all that said, I'm not sure the manufacturer is capable of handling. You know managing all those buildings uh if if it is indeed you know on a per building basis i'm not sure they'd be capable of doing something like that it's a ridiculous proposition or or if they'd even want to it's a ridiculous matter. proposition yes yeah. like it, it it confounds from a lighting distributor perspective it's like that's ridiculous they could never do it anyway yeah. um and, and you know but in, in fact that is, sense it's like yeah no way but, but if the policy and the laws and build back better and all this sort of stuff happens and you start to see the movement on this, the manufacturers will eat this up. That's for sure. Anything seems possible, sure. Oh, no, they want, they, they want this for sure because they'll just sell people new fixtures all the time. Like they, <laughs> it'll be, you know, an exemption thing. So I think as nailed members, I think, you know, um, what we should do is put out a couple statements, maybe an open letter or two, Greg, about – you know, how <laughs> piss a few people <laughs> off. We've done it in the past about how, you know, this is a really bad idea. Um, you know, maybe maybe you guys should go back to the 
the NEMAs and the ANSIs that already exist in ULs and, and talk to them about making mechanical form factors. But, you know, Brian, welcome to the board. I know you've been on before. It's your second your second. Um, I had a short stint. You had a little yeah, stint. Uh, welcome back. It's a advisory board, not a working board. And uh, we're glad to have you on here, brother. Awesome. Well, it's good to hear from you guys. Uh, right, good man. to see your faces. Thank you, too. Hopefully in person soon, uh, but all you peeps out there, if you're ready for the revolution. Mm -hmm. Remember, tuning ball is tuning in 2021 is like dimming in 1969, Greg Eric. What do you got? It's energyfocus.com with their tunable lighting systems. Are we talking about the fixtures and not having to replace them? You don't have to do that with this, and you can make it all mm -hmm. fancy and new with the unfocus. Keep your fluorescent fixture, bypass the ballast, change the tubes, change the switch on the wall, no rewiring needed. Just change it, change, and it's ready. Dimmable, color tuning, flicker-free, all the fun stuff that Energy Focus brings. The originals. Yeah. Love you, Jimmy Tunable. You're the best. And, of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Go to NALD.org. If you haven't joined now, Ryan's not going to let you in because he gets a vote on whether you get in or not. So you better send him a box of chocolates or something, maybe a six-pack. Other than that, that, folks, yeah, if you made it to the end with us here, I know I speak on behalf of Brian at Adventure Lighting and everybody in Nailed. Love you listeners out there. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.